Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. I am your host, Quentin, and I'm coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. Today is Monday, July 16th, 2018. Hopefully, hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast on your way to work on a Monday morning, hopefully we make that morning just a little bit better because we know you're going to go to work and probably get like extra old coffee. You're going to have like 20 emails. Let me give you some advice. Delete all those emails and listen to us completely through the morning. I think this is like a 40-something episode. You can find us on Twitter, on Stitcher, on Overcast, on Google Play. But happy Monday either way. I hope your Monday turns into something good. Um, try to limit that road rage on the drive. But this morning, we are going to talk a little bit of baseball. Um, a few things we kind of want to talk about. First and foremost, we have got to drop a few words on Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. What they are doing in Cleveland right now is completely crazy. I had no I couldn't I had no idea exactly what was happening over there. I've watched like maybe two Cleveland Indians games and it's only when like I think I watched the Trevor Bauer Garrett Cole game, then I watched Kluber pitch like last week against the New York Yankees and besides that like I don't know much about what's going on over there, but apparently between uh, Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, and then Michael Brantley sitting in the middle of them. Um, there's something to be reckoned with, and they've got a real good um, they got a real good thing going on over there between those guys. It's completely wild what they're doing. So we're going to talk about some top baseball duos right now, um, kind of who we think is really good, and you know who might be the best and who's not the best. So it might be a little controversy while you're driving on the way to work. So just try not to punch like your steering wheel or something while we're saying this stuff. Um, one other thing I've got to talk about, Dan, the Dan Shaughnessy article where he wrote about baseball being in trouble. Real interesting article. I'm going to take some time during this episode to go over some particular parts of that article, kind of what we think about it, unpack a little bit of it, and figure out what it really means for baseball. And, you know, he, he's writing a lot of this stuff, and I think uh, – I think it'll be real interesting to unpack that. And also, the St. Louis Cardinals just fired Mike Matheny um, after Saturday's game. Uh, Real interesting, if you've ever... If you're a Cardinals fan, I don't have to tell you this, but if you're not a Cardinals fan and you just follow some of Cardinals' Twitter, Cardinals fans were sick and tired of Mike Matheny. There was the whole thing that came out about the Dexter Fowler relationship and kind of how that was going and just really the whole team dynamic in the clubhouse. I think that's a good thing for St. Louis to finally get them out of there. Not so much if you're a Cubs fan or a Brewers fan or anything like that. I think uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue tweeted out that now the Cardinals are going to win the division with their Cardinals devil voodoo magic or something. So like we hope that's not the case. Like We don't want any more David Freezes in the mix. Like Please keep those away. But let's jump into uh, right now real quick where you can find us online. So like I said, if you are listening to the podcast – um, you can find us. So if you tell your friends, you can find us on Twitter or no, hold on. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Overcast FM, which is an app that we actually had a listener talk about. Um, asked us if we were on Overcast FM on Twitter. And it's a pretty cool app. So if you're trying to discover some podcasts, get into Overcast FM because there are a lot of different podcasts on there as well as Stitcher. Um, you can find us on any of those just by searching The Greatest Show on Dirt Baseball Podcast. Uh, sometimes you do need to specify baseball podcast because also the greatest show on dirt I think is also like referred to as like bull riding so if you're like into bull riding like you could go ahead and google search the greatest show on dirt and get like some professional bull riding stuff which is real weird um but we're the baseball podcast we're not the bull rider so let's keep that straight like we, we don't we don't deal in bulls all right none of that stuff um also you can find us on twitter um at greatest on dirt you can find us on Instagram at greatest show on dirt and you can find us on Facebook. Uh, Facebook gives us like an at symbol at greatest greatest on dirt. So if you have to look for us on there, if you look for us on Facebook, just type in the greatest show on dirt. But it does have the little at symbol on Facebook at greatest on dirt. So that might find us too. But either way, be sure to check out our social media stuff. We um, will post some weird pictures, weird videos, not really weird stuff. Um, just interesting stuff, you know, we like to do a lot of interacting on there, kind of uh, takes on stuff that's recently happened, so it's a pretty, we try our best to get on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to kind of keep, you know, baseball fans up to date as far as like the little things that go on throughout the day, so we had a few things to say on the Mike Matheny firing, um, we, I also read an amazing article on 
Julio Franco, who is still doing his thing in baseball at the age of 60 in South Korea. So naturally, I just start Googling Julio Franco batting stances. And I just forget that he's got his baseball bat above his head pointing towards the pitcher. Almost like, I'm looking at you, and I'm going to knock this ball out of the park. He only had like 167 home runs, but 2,500 hits, racked up about a 30 or 40-something war. But his batting stance is all-time classic. Hands over the head, the baseball bat pointing at the pitcher as if to intimidate him. I love it. But be sure to check us out online. And also, I think in the next few weeks, um, we're going to do like sticker giveaways. So I think we're going to set up a Patreon page and then get some Greatest Show on Dirt stickers made and maybe some Greatest Show on Dirt uh, t-shirts made. So... All you'd have to do is just give a little bit to our Patreon page when we get it set up, and we'll send you a sticker and maybe send you a T-shirt, you know, so i got to figure out how to get all that stuff done. But either way, thank you, thank you again so much for taking time out of your Monday to listen to us talk a little bit of baseball. So here we go. The first thing I want to talk about is this whole Cleveland Indians situation. It, I think Cleveland got off to a rough start, I think. I know right now they're only maybe about 10 or 12 games over 500 at best, and it was a little bit of like Major League, but you know when you watch the movie Major League and the Indians get really good at the end, I, I think something's happening in Cleveland. Like I know everyone's heard about it. If you don't watch Cleveland Indians baseball on a daily basis, even if you're mostly like a National League person and not so much of an AL person, you know that the American League consists of the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Astros. That's all anyone ever talks about in the American League. And the Cleveland Indians really don't get that much attention, and probably outside of Ohio, not that much attention at all. I mean, I knew nothing about what was happening over there or what Frankie Lindor or Jose Ramirez were doing. Um, So obviously, like, the most recent stuff that came out was what Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are doing is they are both on pace to record over 90 extra base hits a piece in a season. That was Anthony Castrovena, the guy that's on MLB.com. He's on the uh, the morning, they've got the morning MLB podcast, and he's on it with uh, Richard Justice and a couple other guys. Phenomenal podcast. And he had tweeted that out. Only one other time in the history of all of baseball have two teammates recorded 90 base hits or more. Excuse me. 90 extra base hits or more. And that was uh, just so happened to be a guy named Babe Ruth, ever heard of him, and Lou Gehrig back in 1927. We're talking 1927 Yankees, the pinnacle of everything offensive. Murderer's Row, you got it, the whole nine. Thought to be the best Major League Baseball team that's probably ever existed. And that's what Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are doing. Right now, here, I've got... The stuff on that. How many extra base hits each of them have? Oh, actually, might have not been the thing I didn't write down. But either way, they are both over 50 extra base hits at the moment. Jose and <laughs> found the extra base hit totals. Jose Ramirez has 57 extra base hits and is batting just over 300. Frankie Lindor, 55 extra base hits. And out of those, it's 25 of those extra base hits are home run by Francisco Lindor. Let, let me stop and say that again. Francisco Lindor has 55 extra base hits. 25 of them are home runs. I don't know if you know this, but Francisco Lindor is 5 feet 11 and 190 pounds. That's it. <laughs> but it, it, here, here's this, though. Like, it gets even crazier. Jose Ramirez is listed at 5'9 and 165 pounds. 165 pounds. I'm almost like 60 pounds more than him. I, I don't have an athletic bone in my body at all. It's just crazy to me how you think of home run hitters and sluggers. Now, Jose Ramirez, out of his 57 extra base hits, you've got 29 home runs right now at a guy that's batting just over 300. These numbers are compl- these numbers are astonishing right now. And you also have Michael Brantley sitting in the middle of him at a strikeout percentage of just about 6% of his at-bats right now, which is amazing. So he is a catalyst in, quite frankly, the perfect combo. He is the pepperoni on your delicious cheese pizza, Michael Brantley is, for Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. So the 1927 stat is great. All these extra base hits, I I only believe, if I remember correctly when I looked on Baseball Reference, only 64 times has a baseball player hit 
90 extra base hits or more in a season. Only 64 times. And that's if you go to baseball reference and do it from like 1815 to current present time, like back when polio was a thing and you had to climb up the telephone, Green Acre style, to make a telephone call. All the way back then, only 64 times has has one player even hit. 90 extra base hits in a season. This is a big deal when you've got these two names in the mix of Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, but Alones is tallying up 90 extra base hits with a really good batting average. Now, there are quite a few things about this. Really, it's like not just that stat alone. But when you look at Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, you've got a couple guys. They don't strike out a lot. Neither of these guys are big strikeout guys, right? So right now, Jose Ramirez has only struck out 46% of the, or excuse me, Jose Ramirez has only struck out 46 times. And then Frankie Lindor has struck out, I got that number somewhere, 74 times, right? Their strikeout percentages for Francisco Lindor, Frankie strikes out about 16% of the time. And that's that's not a bad rate at all. Like Jose Ramirez is only striking out ten percent of the time, but if if you're striking out sixteen percent of the time, you're about in the upper. You're very much, I believe, in the upper third of the league. Sixteen percent strikeout rate is low. That's a low number. You know, when you have to put that into perspective, you've got what was thought to be the strongest duo in all of baseball, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. They're striking out about 30% of the time. Mike Trout strikes out about 19% of the time. Mike Trout's a phenomenal hitter. He strikes out about 19% of the time. Jose Altuve, he strikes out, and this is really what tells you, he strikes out 12% of the time. That's an elite bat right there. But, you know, to put it into perspective, Mike Trout strikes out 19% of the time. Frankie Lindor is only running about a 16%, right? So what's crazy about these guys putting up these astonishing home run numbers, they're very efficient home run numbers because they're not strikeout guys, but also they're they're not power guys. They're not power guys at all. Self-admittedly, when Francisco Lindor was asked if he was going to go to the home run derby, he was like, no, I'm not a power hitter. And one thing I like, and Jose and Frankie, or Frankie said this and also referred to Jose about it, I believe, was Frankie goes, I do not try to hit home runs. That's what Francisco Lindor said. He said, I do not try to hit home runs because when I try to hit home runs, I don't hit the ball out of the park. So all I do is I hit the baseball. I try to hit line drives. And if it goes out of the park, that's just what happens. What you're seeing with Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor right now that's even greater than the Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig comparison when you really dig deep and you go, well, what is it about these guys? Because just this one number, like, you know, I was born in 1983. Like, 1927 doesn't do a whole lot for me because I'm not a Yankees fan. I don't care that much. But what it really does is you've got these very, very efficient home run hitters. And one of the reasons why I think that Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez or the best offensive duo in all of baseball is because of their intelligence at the plate, their ability to barrel up a baseball, and they're contact hitters. These guys are contact hitters and can still do this. They're, I've got, hold on, I've got this number. Let me unpack this real quick. High, a high contact rate. The league average is 77%. Francisco Lindor is at 81.6%. Jose Ramirez is at 87%. We know they barrel a ton of baseballs right now. So many. And also, I've got a number that says guys in all of baseball that have hit more than 20 home runs and strike out less than 17% of the time, there are only five guys in the league that do it. Frankie, Jose, and then Manny Machado, Mookie Betts, who individually is probably the best hitter in baseball right now, and then Ozzie Albies. But I love these guys as a duo because I look at them, and I know they don't strike out, and they can barrel up a ball and create hard contact. They're patient hitters at the plate, and they don't try to do too much. One of the things that gets any athlete, but I feel baseball players more than anybody, is trying to do too much. Right now, you Darvish is trying to do too much. Noah Syndergaard said at the beginning of the year when he was healthy, he was trying to do too much because he wasn't pitching as well as he should have. The guy of the hour, Bryce Harper, we all know is trying to do too much. It's the Zen type of thinking in this philosophy where like, just don't try to do it. Don't try to do something extraordinary at the plate. You don't have to. Listen, 
Francisco Lindor has 25 home runs. He's bunted four times on the year. Francisco Lindor does. And even Frankie said, I know to succeed, I don't have to do something extraordinary when I'm playing baseball. And you don't have to. So the heads that Frankie and Jose have on them, they know they don't have to go out day in and day out and do something extraordinary. All they have to do is assess the situation and however the game is going in that particular day, Jose and Frankie both have the ability to take that day and say, here's how this game is unfolding. What do I need to do? And that's why I think these guys are the top duo in all of baseball because of their in-game intelligence, their ability to adjust, their ability to barrel up the ball when they need to. And I like that in the playoffs, right? So at the beginning of this, I had talked about how the, the AL teams that were heavily talked about were the Astros and the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Because, yes, you do have the Cleveland Indians. They're in first place. But they're also in a really bad division with the Kansas City Royals, who are on pace to lose just about every game they play for the rest of the season. The White Sox, they're on pace to lose about 108 games. You've got the Detroit Tigers, every dumpster whether at Comerica Park. All the dumpsters are on fire in the NL Central, but the Cleveland Indians. But the Indians' bullpen has been really bad. Like, tops in the league if being worst is good. (laughs) You know, like, the Indians, Andrew Miller's been out a lot. Cody Allen's running, like, a 4-6 ERA. Not too sure what's happening over there, but you've got got a bullpen that's, you know, not treating them so hot. Um, But we, we, we know what their offense is doing. But when it comes to the playoffs, and let's unpack this a little bit, what could the playoffs look like for the Cleveland Indians, and can they do a little damage? I absolutely think the Cleveland Indians could do damage when it comes to the playoffs. And I know that sounds crazy. You've got a team that plays in the AL Central where, like I said, everyone's dumpster's on fire. Their trash cans at their house are on fire. Like, they're steaming bags of of poop on their porch on fire. Everything is engulfed in flames in the AL Central. One would think the Cleveland Indians would have a crazy, crazy good record. Well, the truth of the matter is they don't. They're not a perfect team. Their record right now, they're 51 and 43. They're eight games over 500, but they've had a lot of bullpen problems. Andrew Miller's been hurt for a while. And one would be crazy to think that that injury did not affect, that wouldn't affect the way the whole entire bullpen looks. So, I mean, of course, everyone should be concerned about their bullpen going into the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I mean, bullpens are so volatile. Good one day and gone tomorrow. But Andrew Miller being out of that mix is surely going to affect guys, right? Cody Allen's running like a 4.64 ERA. That's not a 4.79 ERA. It's worse than I thought. Other guys like Zach McAllister, 5.65. Dan Otero, 5.6 ERA. I mean, it it, it doesn't look good. doesn't all. Josh Tomlin's on the DL, and he had pitched 49 innings at a touchdown with an earned run average, and that's with the extra points. Things aren't good. Okay. The bullpen... The bullpen can come back because I think I know what Cody Allen can do, and I think I know what Andrew Miller could do. One of the things I like about this team, and obviously we've talked about the offense, but if we get into the pitching, I'll say this right now, and feel free to punch the radio in your car or your computer screen that hopefully is a work computer. But when I tell you that if I was the manager of a Major League Baseball team, and I had to pick one pitcher to go into a wild card game, I would pick Trevor Bauer over every pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. Something tells me about Trevor Bauer that he can throw a baseball as long as I need him to throw a baseball, and he can do whatever I need him to do on the mound. He strikes me as a guy that's going to do what needs to be done no matter what. His ERA plus right now is 200. I think he is the best pitcher in Major League Baseball right now today. I do. I think he's better than Scherzer. I think he's better than Garrett Cole. I would take him over Justin Verlander. He will outduel you. And Trevor Bauer on a baseball mound, on a pitching mound, is he's a force. He's very intimidating. And he's got just that something about him. He's this force. It's immeasurable. It's powerful. He will punch your nose through the back of your head. Powerful. That's what I like about Trevor Bauer. 
So I look at Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber. Those are guys that can give you seven and eight innings, and I think they can do it in the playoffs. And one of the things I like about Tito Francona is he'll let him do it. He's got faith in his guys, and he's built a culture where he empowers those guys to do it. He gives them the tools that they need to go out and do that. Terry Francona is not going to have guys go out there and give him four or five innings and start doing a bunch of pitching shuffles. One, he can't do it because his bullpen's not that great. And with Andrew Miller coming off injuries, he's not going to be what he was in the 2016 postseason. But he's built the environment where his starting pitchers can do it. They're comfortable doing it. They're confident doing it. And they're going to give you innings. A big surprise, rookie Shane Bieber. He is one of the reasons why I think this team can do damage in the playoffs. And when you have a bullpen that has underperformed this year and hasn't been that good, at this point, Shane Bieber is your saving grace. He's a 23-year-old rookie. He was, shoot, the kid may have actually been undrafted. I'm not 100% sure when he was drafted. No, he, uh uh-oh. But, okay, I, I don't know when he was drafted. He may have been, may not drafted. That's not the point. The point is he started seven games this year. He's thrown 43 innings. He's 5-1. and one. He has started seven games, and he's got six decisions. That tells me, one, you give him the ball, and he can go deep into a game. ERA plus a 127, total ERA of 353. He's got good stuff. Now, if I look... He had a game against the New York Yankees this season where I think he went seven innings. Let's go ahead and let me look through my notes and see what I got. So he, dude, Friday the 13th, he pitched against the New York Yankees at home at Progressive Field, went seven innings, gave up three earned, threw 99 pitches in seven innings. But don't worry, there are other better starts in there. Um, he went Minnesota, Minnesota, nah. He went to St. Louis and pitched six innings and gave up a run, 99 pitches. He's an efficient guy. He had, out of seven starts, he's never thrown 100 pitches. And his outings, five and two-thirds, five and two-thirds, seven, six, six, seven, seven. He he doesn't blow up. He had a five and two-thirds, four-earned run start in his first ever start. A couple six innings, four-earned starts. On games he's pitched... The so he started seven times. The Indians are six and one when he goes. He can he can pitch for a long time. I like what Shane Bieber's doing. Is if this team can contend with the Yankees or the Astros or the Red Sox, I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I think I do know. Anything can happen in the postseason, right? I get that. When you've got a starting rotation with these three guys that I think can do some damage. With Andrew Miller comes back, I think the Cleveland Indians are not talked about, and I think they're scary, and I think they could be one of the scariest teams if, if Kluber can stay healthy. Okay. And what else I've got is – oh, I better hold that thought. Okay, here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say, and I'll finish about the Indians. If you've got three starters that can give you six or seven innings of baseball and you can get your bullpen kind of healthy in this, I think anything can happen with the Cleveland Indians. Are they my favorite to win the AL pennant? No, I don't think so. But one of the scariest things about these guys are Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, Michael Brantley in the middle of it. Jason Kipnis can start to swing the bat well. This team might do some pretty good damage, but watch the start of Shane Bieber. He seems to be doing pretty well, and I think he's kind of one of the – he, he's definitely a surprise for this team, and I think he's he at this point could be the saving grace for a team that maybe didn't count on this guy being so good and that has a pretty beat-up bullpen. So I kind of like where they're going. Oh, one other note, because this is a podcast that's not super organized. <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, I just hate recording talk baseball. But one of the last things I wanted to talk about is, uh, so I want to jump back to Frankie and Jose for a little bit because one of the numbers I had looked up that I had not seen a whole lot of was what these guys do in high leverage positions. So when runners are in scoring position, they, they, they hit really well, but it's the high leverage situation that seems to be really good with these guys. So this season in high leverage situations, all I did was go to fan graphs and saw what they hit in high leverage situations. Honestly, that's one of the first things I'll look for with teams and hitters and things like that, because it's baseball baseball is the game where you can overthink just about anything. Like you can overthink the gum you're about to put in your mouth and your sunflower seeds. So high leverage situations, I feel like you always have to look at those things because 
I mean, you look at guys that have kind of got to the postseason that didn't play so well. I think Barry Bonds, before he hit the sauce, kind of had unstellar postseasons. Maybe A-Rod, you know, Clayton Kershaw, David Price, all those sorts of things, right? Um, Francisco Lindor in high-leverage situations, 21 plate appearances. Uh, he's batting 375. Jose Ramirez, he's batting 370. And in high-leverage situations, he's got seven extra base hits. I'm, I still, I'll say it again, and I'll close out the Cleveland Indians um, portion of the podcast with this. Those guys are high leverage. They can barrel a ball. And when it comes down to the postseason, I believe that the Cleveland Indians are just as dangerous as the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees because of, because of the way they hit the ball and the way their starting lineup is. And you've got to know that with Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, and Michael Brantley being able to uh, hit for contact – that is that's something that's happening in the Cleveland Indians clubhouse. That's a trend, you know. It's it's in vogue for these guys to hit for contact, and that's what they're going to have to do. And I know when the Indians had their postseason run in 2016, that was a lot of when the uh, unconventional bullpen stuff started, and we really saw how how powerful a bullpen was. And Tito would also used, I think, a three-man rotation all through the postseason. So I know Terry Francona is the manager that will do what it takes to win. That's the culture they've built over there. And I, the players, I believe, have really bought into it, and it shows in the way they play. So I, I would say this right now. I think the Indians are just as dangerous as the Astros, the Yankees, and the Red Sox when it comes to the postseason because of the culture. Things that are that are a little deeper than the numbers and kind of what Tito has done over there and just the performances. And not only the numbers, but how – they're performing. That's what I like about the Indians. We'll close out the Indians portion of this thing. And I think the next thing I want to talk about is the Dan Shaughnessy article. So we're going to jump into that here in a second. All right. So I first caught wind of this Dan Shaughnessy article. It's through the Boston Globe. So if you haven't read it, you should. I'll probably read a lot of it to you while we're talking right here. The title of it is The Red Sox may be red hot, but baseball is striking out in every way. I was listening to ESPN out of Los Angeles. It is Mason and Ireland, and I'll usually try to go through their podcast episodes when they're talking about the Dodgers and the Anaheim Angels, and they were talking about the recent Dodgers-Angels series, and they had mentioned this Dan Shaughnessy article about where he just really went in on a lot of the things that might be wrong with baseball. So I'm going to read part of this article, and of course, when I upload this podcast, uh, I'll put a link in the description so you'll be able to click on it and read it. Um, let's go ahead and click on this bad boy right now. Kind, so here's what we pretty much run into. In the fourth paragraph of this Dan Shaughnessy piece, here's what we have. Meaningless game after meaningless game is the Red Sox put up cartoonish numbers while we wait for the real games to start in October. All right, so I mean, what we're saying there is this. There's not a lot of competition in Major League Baseball right now. So the division, even the AL East outside of the two juggernauts at the top, it's not a very tough division. We've already talked about the AL Central. Even in the NL Central, there obviously three of those teams are under 500. There's whole not a lot of competition going on, and we all know with the postseason, or excuse me, with the offseason, there weren't a lot of transactions happening, and it was frozen, and all the free agents just kind of like stood and hung out, you know? Um Arguably one of the best hitters in the whole entire American League, J.D. Martinez, didn't really get signed until after spring training started, and it was like nobody wanted him. And it's what we kind of saw where, you know, nobody really wanted to sign and nobody wanted to make any moves. And as it sits right now, you know, the AL, the American League's really already figured out there's not a lot of competition anywhere in Major League Baseball. And over the past couple weeks, that's been glaringly obvious to me when I watch the Cincinnati Reds play since now I don't know what happened on Sunday but since June 10th the Cincinnati Reds have the best record in all of baseball all of their offensive statistics rank towards the top of major league baseball and they're the only team without double digit losses since June 10th their offense is pounding right now they sent three guys to the all-star game and they're a really good team there was an article on ESPN from about the GM of the Cincinnati Reds, and I had a real problem with this article. 
So the Reds president, Dick Williams, said he expects a nice increase in payroll for 2019. What we run into right now is a Cincinnati Reds team that besides their horrible beginning to the season, they've been a good team this year. They've been a good team this year with uh, um, you know, a president of baseball operations and a general manager that did absolutely nothing in the postseason. And what I'm going to get at is this. The thing that makes me so mad about this is – because the Cincinnati Reds right now are playing good baseball, now the Cincinnati Reds upper management, they're saying, ooh, we might have to spend more money this year. I'm going to read something in here that makes me a little mad. In regards to the nice increase, which is what Dick Williams said, he goes, I'm not talking like a 1% or 2% increase, but it's too early to know for sure. A lot will depend on how we play the rest of the year, the support we get from the fans and strategic strategic decisions we make about where our investments will go in the offseason. I've got a problem with this because Dick Williams says a lot of it will depend on how we play the rest of the year and the support we get from the fans. He wants fan support before he'll spend any money. It's teams like the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Oakland Athletics that while you had this frozen free agent market where nobody was doing anything and everybody was coming at a value, those are three teams that parked their asses on the couch all offseason and didn't do a thing and then come out of the gate this year and start to play pretty good. And now the Cincinnati Reds organization has the nerve to say that, ooh, we might have a nice increase next year if we get some support from the fans. I'll tell you this, you'll get support from the fans when you start acting like you want to win a baseball game. I don't understand it, and it makes me so mad when we saw in the offseason you have a team like the Cincinnati Reds that are loaded in offense, but they can't win a game, and they're not going to make the playoffs because they don't have the pitching before it because their team didn't make a move in the postseason. Now, you mean to tell me that it's a shock to the Cincinnati Reds organization that their offense is hitting good? Are their scouts that bad? These guys are paid, and it's their job to know how good their team's going to be. Is it all of a sudden an epiphany to them that Joey Votto and Scooter Jeanette are good hitters? You have got to be kidding me. This frustrates me to no end that the Cincinnati Reds did not make a move all offseason. That meant anything. And then they've got the nerve to say, oh, well, we might spin next year because we're playing pretty good if we get support from the fans. You'll get support from the fans when you start trying to win. But don't put this on a fan base and say, well, the fans aren't going to come out and support us. We're not going to spend any money. You've got a business, and you have got to spend money to make money. You have got to invest in that business to make it appealing to the fans that you want to buy your tickets. And for Dick Williams, the president of baseball operations of the Cincinnati Reds, to say a lot of it will depend on the support we get from fans. How much we're going to spend next season is the biggest pile of bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. And it makes me mad to no end. And that's what you look at the beginning of this Dan Shaughnessy album where he's talking about article, not album, about all of these meaningless games because there's no competition in baseball right now. So you're wondering that, you know, overall, like, ticket sales, it's low. Nobody, you know, the All-Star game, the Home Run Derby was picked, and nobody seems to be super excited about it. And the only things that are ever said are, oh, they should have been picked to the All-Star game, or this person should be in the Home Run Derby, and they're not. There's so many problems with it. And one of those main things in this beginning of the Stan Shaughnessy article, I completely agree with. There are too many meaningless games in baseball, which is a huge reason why baseball is striking out in every way. Okay. Get back into this. Another thing. So Dan also writes, as much as I love the game, I can no longer defend all the things that are hurting the sport. There are a few things that aren't going well with it. He points out that the Orioles are 41 games under 500. There are a lot of non-competitive games. I'll get in the MLB Network app, and I'll see, for example, like the Cubs playing the Padres. That game really doesn't mean a lot. I don't think I want to watch a whole lot of it. The Orioles and the Rangers, probably not a lot of interest in that game. Those teams aren't trying to win baseball games. You've got the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Weird you know about that. Yankees and Indians was a good baseball game. Phillies and Marlins, I mean, it's the Marlins. They're not in contention for anything. We know what happened to their offseason. Oddly enough, on Sunday, the Marlins beat the Phillies 5-10. to 10. Yikes. National 6 Mets won. 
I don't think that's so much the Mets' fault. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. D-backs and Braves, that's a good matchup. Brewers and Pirates should have been a lot better matchup than what it was, but Pittsburgh sold everything they had in offseason. Tigers beat the Astros. We know the Tigers aren't trying to win. The Red Sox and the Royals, they're on pace to lose 118 and 116 games. The Twins and the Rays, we know the Rays aren't trying to win. So much that um, Logan Morrison said in the offseason that it was awful playing in Tampa Bay because it was glaringly obvious that they weren't trying to win. When you've got that kind of thought process from players that play in your organization and you know, Logan Morrison just stated the fact that it's like a tryout. If you come here and do really good, you'll get to play for someone that's actually trying to win. Don't like that at all. Don't like that. Mariners and the Rockies, they're both trying to win. The Oakland Athletics, they should have done way more in the offseason. And then you've got the Angels and the Dodgers. The Angels, which I, I, I wanted Jake Arrieta to go to Los Angeles so bad. I thought it would be a good park for him to pitch in if he was a Los Angeles Angel. And the Angels didn't make any moves, and all their young pitching is just getting hurt this season as well. You can go up and down a whole line of games and pick which one you want to watch, and more times than not, you're going to say, oh, those teams really like there's nothing going on. There's no – so the AL East is a race of two teams. You've got the, – the only thing that I think that's up for debate at this point in the American League is one wild card. Like, that's it. Everything else in the American League we're 100% sure of besides the AL wild card. In the NL, the NL is going to give you pretty good baseball, but it should be giving us a lot better baseball. Too many teams are selling, not enough are buying. These guys are afraid to spend money. They act like they – it's profits. People care too much about profits in Major League Baseball. And it, it's starting to become a problem. I think you look at there's just so many teams that just didn't spend in the offseason. And this isn't I'm, – I'm saying these words, and I'm, I feel like I'm spinning in circles, but the free agent market told us all we needed to know coming into 2018 about what teams' priorities were. And at this point, what upper management baseball teams really care about is the return on investment – pleasing their shareholders or whatever and making sure everyone gets a nice check at the end of the year. And it's hurting the game because I don't think, I don't think most of them care about winning. And it's comments like this from the Cincinnati Reds that'll tell you that like, Oh, if we get some fan support, like to get fan support, you got to do something guys. So there are too many um, bad teams. All right. He also talks about there are too many strikeouts in baseball, not enough baseballs in play. And then baseball stars are increasingly anonymous. This is pretty interesting. So if you were – okay, so if you, this is the uh, – I think he mentions this in the same article. But if you're in Boston, anyone in Boston is going to recognize Tom Brady. They're going to recognize Kyrie Irving. But if J.D. Martinez is walking down the road, probably not so much. When Chris Bryant had that Red Bull campaign, I think it was – the year before last, and he went somewhere like, oh, I don't remember, like Ireland or Scotland or some crazy place like that. There were all kinds of people over there that knew who the Chicago Cubs were. They didn't know who he was at all. I think Chris Bryant is one of the most anonymous stars in all of baseball. And I, you know, and I think that's the reason why is because baseball players give the worst interviews post-game. You can't get anything out of them. And a typical post-game interview is like this. Yep, well, we played a good game. Um, I just sat back and waited for a pitch to hit, got my pitch, and I drove it. You know, how'd you guys perform tonight? Well, you know, my fastball was doing good, and I just made my pitches, and I got some outs. Right? Like, that's, like those are your post-game interviews for baseball players. There's not one single baseball player that gives any sort of flashy, opinionated interview post game and when they do they get dfa'd or they get in trouble and somehow like that's huge news like it was huge news when jake arietta called out his defense behind him because like you don't do that in baseball but every other athlete in football and basketball does it so these baseball stars are anonymous because they give horrible interviews so we never get to know them it's like pulling teeth they don't want to talk to the media like bryce harper is this only superstar in major league baseball and his interviews are awful awful he acts like he doesn't want to be there. It's completely monotone. He has no personality and like probably won't joke with anybody. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo's interviews, I've watched enough of theirs. They're never good post-game. And all these – it's like this stage scripted thing, especially 
and here's what I thought of when you get a lot of international players, like, you know, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, really any international player, they give the same dumb interviews the whole time. And you want to know why I think that? You know why I think every, like, Latin baseball player comes in and gives the same bland interview? Because I think they're told to. Because they know that American baseball has to be played the right way. You need to play the game the right way. I think baseball should find everybody that says, play the game the right way. You know, Yasiel Puig has a mention of that's how that's how baseball's played outside of the United States is how Yasiel Puig handles himself. But when he flips the bat and sticks out his tongue, he gets the third degree and his managers and all the white guys around him tell him, you need to play the game right. So every baseball player is anonymous. You got to play the game right. You can't have a personality post game and you just stick to the script. We had a good game out there. We looked for pitches. I hit my spots. We won. Tomorrow's a new day. Like, that's it. That's it. They don't give you anything in baseball. Baseball stars are increasingly anonymous. And that can be fixed, right? What would I do if I was Major League Baseball and I wanted my player personalities to show? Yeah, I probably really can't find everybody that says uh, you need to play the game the right way. I think what I would do if I was Major League Baseball, I would pay guys extra to be like influencers in the sport. So I can't make Chris Bryant or Bryce Harper or Mike Trout give better post-game interviews. I can't do that. I can't make you talk a certain way. But you could get guys with good personalities, find your stars, and to get them to do extra, you're going to have to pay them extra. Major League Baseball is just like any other job. Granted, a lot of them make millions a year, Still, at the end of the day, those people, they work, they have families, they have families they don't see, they have stress over, did my wife pay the electric bill while I was on the road, I don't see her, and the relationship might be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. When the game's over, they need to go places and do things. There's nothing in it for them to continue to play the game post-game give good interviews, really get in depth. I think it should be encouraged by Major League Baseball for baseball players to maybe play the game the wrong way. We can stop with this right way stuff and maybe have some good post-game interviews with some personality, you know, with some candid conversation. Because why is everybody offended when a baseball player speaks for themselves? It's a little annoying. Baseball players are increasingly anonymous. All right. He talks about the MLB attendance all across the board, 21 out of 30 teams this year. Their attendance is down. Um, what are some other things he's got? Okay, look at this. Baseball has become the sanctuary of senior citizens. Hardcore baseball fans are the same people who have landlines in their home and still read daily newspapers. That's true. I think it's true. Why do you think it's true? Because baseball is not changing with the times. Baseball players think the game either... Baseball players say that they think the game is fine. And if you ever get on Twitter and read a Twitter post or write a Twitter post yourself and say something about baseball needs a drastic change, let's start extra innings with a runner on second base. Or let's go into the ninth inning and no matter where you're at, you bat your best three guys. That is the equivalent of setting a car on fire with dynamite in the trunk. You will piss people off to no end. And I mean, they get mad. So baseball doesn't do anything. Baseball doesn't change anything. Baseball players and hardcore baseball fans, they're kind of all the problem. I've said on the podcast that I would be okay when the ninth inning came. No matter who was due up, it didn't matter, and you would bat your three best guys. I said that it'd be okay in extra innings to put a guy on second. Right? Those things would be fine. I think the shift should absolutely be outlawed. You should not be able to play your second baseman in right field or your shortstop in right field because he's a shortstop. It's how the game's played. You can't do it. Batter has to be in the batter's box. The batter can't, like, 
go halfway out to the mound and attempt a bunch of baseball. Stuff just doesn't work like that. You have to play in the position. It doesn't make any sense. The shift should leave. End of story. But baseball players are not doing enough to save the game of baseball. I'm not saying baseball is about to like go in the toilet and go away. I'm not. But back when Kurt Flood was fighting for a baseball players union to getting rid of the reserve clause, it was not easy for him to do. And it pissed a lot of people off and ruffled a ton of feathers for this African-American baseball player really taking a stand. Baseball players right now not taking a stand to make the game better for future players because that's what Kurt Flood did. He knew what he was doing in Major League Baseball. It was going to benefit him a little bit right now. But why are baseball players paid more money and guaranteed more money than any other athlete in the United States? That's including hockey players, basketball players, and football players. Because guys like Kurt Flood that would fight for it. Today's baseball players are doing the game in a measurable disservice in the current situation and as well as the future for future baseball players because they're not doing their job to make the game as best as possible. As great as it could be, current baseball players are letting fans down. They're letting current baseball players down, and they're letting future baseball players down because they're not doing enough. Because when you tell them, hey, we care about pace of play, so we want the game to pick up, and then they're in the batter's box three seconds late and get a fine, they're okay with paying thousands of dollars in fines because they want to play the game at their own pace because they just don't give a shit. So they're going to take their time no matter what on the mound because they don't want a pitch clock. They're going to take their time in the batter's box and adjust their batting gloves three times because they don't care. They only care about themselves in the moment. That's all they care about. They're childish in the sense of they're being told something to do but they're not doing it, okay? So you can tell me all day, nothing's wrong with baseball. Keep it the way it is. I've said it. I've said it a lot. But you cannot deny the fact that baseball has become the sanctuary of senior citizens. And Dan Shaughnessy is not wrong. And hardcore baseball fans have landlines. They watch Green Acres on TV land. Like, they don't understand the internet, right? It's crazy to me that you can play a Major League Baseball game on Facebook, and baseball fans are pissed about it. Do you want to know why? Because they don't know how to use the internet. They have no idea because they're pissed about it. Do you think if the NBA did that, what do you think would happen if the NBA had a Facebook-only game? Fans would be cool with it. They would think it was fun because they could watch a game and roast a bunch of fans from the opposing team all night long. I do that on Facebook, and I love it. But most people don't love it. Watch a Facebook live game and get on there, and 90, at least 90% of the comments are, this is stupid. How do I get the comments to go away? And all MLB does the whole damn time is just tell people, swipe over to get the comments to go away, and they'll go away. And people are like, oh, my internet connection, it, the screen's blurry, what do I do? Well, it's because you got dial-up internet, you idiot, because you got a landline phone and someone picked up the landline while you're on AOL.com with your startup disk paying $19.99 to figure out how to use AOL Instant Messenger. Well, guess what, kid? That's been gone for a year and you can't use it anymore. <clears throat> These things are crazy. Current baseball fans as well are doing everything at the surface. You can tell me all day that the game's great and it's what it is and it's supposed to be the way it is and you either love it or leave. Well, they're leaving, kid. They're not buying tickets to baseball games and they don't really give a shit about the All-Star game, right? It's just what it is. Like, whatever. Like, I don't know anything else to say other than baseball players themselves should be standing up for this change. I don't get why a baseball player doesn't want baseball to succeed. I guess because they only care about their money. But if I was a baseball player and I saw these numbers and said, man, games are lasting a really long time. We're not really getting any casual fans. As a matter of fact, we might not be getting any new fans. You would think a baseball player would have enough pride for what they love to try to make a change for that. It makes me mad. It really does. And they just don't care enough. And that's what we're running into. This is a huge rant. My apologies for it. But baseball players have to do more, and Dan Shaughnessy's right. Anything else out of this article I like? 
Um, he mentions Tom Verducci timing an average time between balls and play at three minutes and 45 seconds. So for people that say that base, that football is stop and go, well, that's like a 30-second, 45-second play clock or something. We're talking three minutes and 45 seconds between balls and play. Balls aren't put in play enough, right? What happened was, one, home runs pay the bills. Two, pitchers are throwing harder than ever. Three, the strike zone needs to be adjusted. The low strike needs to go away, and the strike zone needs to be adjusted. The low strike needs to go away because it's a ball that's hard to hit, and it's a ball that's hard to put in play. It does. You need to have a strike zone from, like, the thighs to the letters and then maybe open that strike zone up from side to side. The strike zone needs to be changed. It needs to be opened up because guys are walking. They're striking out or they're hitting home runs. Also, the shift. I don't like the shift. You know one other thing I don't like? The rectangular box when you watch a baseball game that shows if the ball's a strike. You know, I'm talking about the little pitch casting or whatever at home plate. I think that's also hurting baseball a ton because now the fan can sit at home and say, I can see that was a strike, but you called it a ball or vice versa. And now baseball game announcers are doing it. Baseball game announcers will say, well, I can see that's a strike and you didn't call it. Unbelievable. This guy's missed like 10 calls. Well, that's all we want to do. No wonder why a casual fan wouldn't want to watch a baseball game. All they're going to do is hear the announcers bitch about how bad the strike zone is because we can literally see it. That box needs to go away. For one, that box isn't going to be accurate to tell you if it's a ball or a strike. Do you want to know how we know? Because the umpire's behind there and he saw the ball go in. Right? But if you're going to put that little box there, if you're going to do that, then just have an automated strike zone. And then what are we doing here? You have to have one or the other. You can't put this rectangular box on the screen so we can humiliate the umpires and then be mad at the umpires when they miss a call. Make it one or make it the other because you're making it worse. 100% with that box. Strikeout inflation is a big part of the problem. Every pitcher strikes out at least like 10 guys per nine inning. Velocity's up. Pitchers are throwing the ball differently. And you have managers making bullpen changes for every batter past like the sixth inning. You know, I've watched Bruce Bochy make a pitching, like four pitching changes in an inning. Righty, lefty, righty, lefty, right? You should only be able to pitch one pitcher an inning. If you start the seventh inning with a reliever, he's got to finish that inning unless he gets hurt 100%. This switch in pitchers every batter is hurting baseball because that's making less balls in play. Strikeouts are going up. It's not working. But because pitchers are pitching differently and they're stronger now and they can throw harder now, that's when you have to adjust the strike zone. You got to get hit or swing in the bat. And I believe you would want to, you don't want to shrink the strike zone because then guys are just going to walk all the time. You'd really want to open that baby up to get guys swinging the bat. That's what you want. I've watched so many Bryce Harper at bats this year where it's already three and two and he hasn't swung the bat once or really driven anything. And that happens to guys all the time. Guys aren't swinging the bats hard enough. And to do this, I mean, baseball, there's a lot of money in Major League Baseball. They've got the power, right? Pay these boys. Pay him to do extra for the game. Let him get shoe deals, right? So they, and you know, like, for example, Ben Zobras wanted to wear like those black PF flyers because they're historic and vintage, right? That could have easily turned into a shoe deal and a big thing, and all of a sudden Ben Zobras is on a commercial, right? On a national commercial with PF flyers. And then even fans of like basketball and football, right? Everyone's watched the Sandlot and they love the Sandlot. They'd say, holy crap, those are PF flyers. Huh? <laughs> I might watch Ben Zobras play a game, right? That'd be a great marketing thing, right? Have Ben Zobras on a national commercial with those PF Flyers that I, I don't know who custom made them for him. I know that Roosevelt sells like PF Flyer tennis shoes. I don't know who makes the cleats for him. It might be New Balance, actually. New Balance makes one of the cleats that he wears that look vintage and old school. But what MLB did when Ben Zobras wore his own shoes, they mailed him a letter and said, if you do that, we're going to fine you because baseball doesn't market their players well. The best play in that situation is, man, we should work on getting Ben Zobras to deal with that shoe company, and then you've got a national campaign. 
The only baseball players I know that are on a national campaign, Bryce Harper in that Under Armour commercial, and then Mike Trout is an ambassador for Kobe Bryant's drink. I haven't seen that commercial once on TV, though. The only time I ever saw it was on, like, Bleacher Report, where Mike Trout's got, like, the old-school ab thing, like, shaking his body, all that stuff. Baseball's not marking the players at all. They're not marketing them at all. I don't think a whole lot of people are excited about the home run derby tonight. I mean, there aren't really, there are no big sluggers in it. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, J.D. Martinez, Mike Trout, they're not in it. Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, they're not in it. Max Muncy's in it. Who? Exactly. Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber's in it. Those are probably the most popular guys in it outside of Bryce Harper, who's also in it, because the Cubs are a popular team right now because they just broke a 108-year-old curse. You got Jesus Aguilar in it. I don't, I don't know much about that guy. You've got... Who else is in that bad boy? I know I'm probably forgetting somebody. Bryce Harper. You got Freddie Freeman in it. Yeah, Freddie Freeman's in the home run derby. He hasn't hit a home run in batting practice in three years. That's not me saying that. Freddie Freeman told the media that. That he hadn't hit a BP home run in three years. Reese Hoskins? I think Reese Hoskins is a good name in it. But nobody really knows who he is outside of a Philly fan base. Because MLB doesn't market him. They don't market Reese Hoskins at all. Alex Bregman's in it? I don't really think he's a home run hitter. These guys aren't in it. MLB could do something about it. If MLB wants players to care about the game, MLB's going to have to care about the player. But then also the player's going to have to care about MLB. And right now, the relationship between the players in Major League Baseball, it's not great. You know, you could feel the tension last offseason. Baseball players don't care enough. You know, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, they don't really care enough about MLB to hit in the home run derby. It'd be great for the sport. Fans would love to see it. It's not really anything in it for them. Major League Baseball could give them some money. Aaron Judge makes a league minimum. It's like 560000 a year. Give him 50000 bucks. MLB's got the money for it. MLB's got the advertising for it. Put Aaron Judge in that home run derby. Him against Stanton. How would you like to see Aaron Judge against Bryce Harper in the home run derby? That'd be huge. What if you saw a one-on-one -on -one matchup, right? Because in baseball, we want to do the same thing over and over again and complain. A couple years ago, there was talk about Jake Arrieta and Madison Bumgarner. They both want to be in the home run derby. So those are a couple big pitchers that can hit home runs. You don't have to have an all-pitchers home run derby. But what if MLB talked to Jake Arrieta and Madison Bumgarner and said, hey, we want to get a couple pitchers in the home run derby. Maybe if we got you two guys and two other pitchers, would you guys want to hit some baseballs? We'll pay you money to do it. Fans would love it. If you told, if I would rather see four pitchers hit in a home run derby than the home run derby I'm going to watch tomorrow. If you gave me, here are some pitchers that can hit. Madison Bumgarner, Jake Arrieta. Vince Velasquez from the Philadelphia Phillies. He can hit a baseball really good. And then the... The Colorado Rockies have a, have a pitcher that can really hit. It might be Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland's a good hitter. Take those four guys and do a little pitcher's no-hitter. That'd be fun, and that's different. But we'll just keep doing it the same way again, I guess. What if you had minor leaguers hit in an MLB All-Star Game home run derby and have a minor league home run derby at the All-Star Game? We hear all these things about Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Craig Biggio's son, whatever his name is, Eloy Jimenez, Brendan McKay. You know they do the home run derby in minor league ball. Put them on a big stage. Get us excited about the players they're going to play in a few years. We love that. Get us excited about that. Build the excitement when these guys are young. And then what if you get these minor leaguers more involved in Major League Baseball, like at All-Star Weekend, have them on the big stage at the Home Run Derby, get us hyped about these minor league players, just like basketball fans and football fans get hyped about those college boys. You've already marketed them for two or three years before they get to the show, and then you've got an anticipated matchup that's like David Beckham playing for the LA Galaxy. You're talking huge stuff. Major League Baseball has so much they're going to do. Dan Shaughnessy is 100% right on this article. Read it. 
I'll leave the link below here. It's really good. He mentions that players don't think there's a problem, which is huge. There was a USA Today poll that pulled 63 big leaguers. And most of those players, more than half of the players polled, so 63 big leaguers were polled, more than half, said that they are unconcerned about the game now that primarily features walks, strikeouts, and homers. 93% who responded said that the lack of action is okay. And when you asked, one player was asked if the pace of play changes are working, and the player remarked, well, that assumes you think there's a problem in the first place. Baseball players don't think there's a problem. Read the article. I'm going to close out... I'm going to go and close out the podcast. We are right at the hour mark. Thank you so much for listening to me rant for, I guess, like the last like 30 or 35 minutes. Um, I'm going to get this bad boy up to you. Be driving on your way to work. Listen to this. And I kind of just want to, I don't know what I want to do, but I know kind of like as part of this podcast, I want to talk about baseball in a way that a lot of people don't talk about baseball. I want to write about baseball that a lot of people don't write about baseball. Because there's a lot about this game that could be fun. I'm not, I'm not MLB, right? I can't market guys. I can't make it good. But I can talk about it and hopefully provide a platform that'll do so. And that's it. And because that's what I want to do, I thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. This might be our 43rd or 44th episode. We're like three episodes into the brand new studio. So we're just getting our wings under us. And just want to say thanks again. Find us on Instagram at Greatest Show on Dirt. Find us on Twitter at Greatest on Dirt. Find us on Facebook at Greatest on Dirt. You can listen to us pretty much everywhere. Overcast, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. So wherever you're listening to us at, you can listen to us at any of those places too. And you can also listen to us on your work computer. If you're at work, you want to listen to us, but you can't have your phone out, say you work in banking, Go to greatestondirt.com slash listen. You can listen to us on your work computer. <laughs> You'll get nothing done at work. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Greatest on Dirt, and we will see you next time. Guys, take care.